So we want you this morning to rethink Easter. We want you to rethink what it means to call yourself a Christian. We want you to rethink the Bible. But most of all, we want you to rethink Jesus. We're going to be talking about Jesus all morning because here at Valley Town, we are all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus, and we are unapologetic about that. Somebody doesn't like us because we're all about Jesus, it doesn't matter because it isn't about us anyway. So, um, it really is all about Jesus, and this morning, we are celebrating the fact that Jesus is alive. He's alive. He is not just like living on in our hearts. He is physically alive. He rose from death bodily. He is alive. And so we're celebrating Jesus this morning. You guys are going to have to uh, forgive my southern accent. I'm a Georgia boy. But we are pumped about Jesus. And everything we do is about Jesus. We sing songs about Jesus to Jesus. And we teach our kids about Jesus. And we preach sermons about Jesus. And we are all about Jesus. So this morning, you are going to hear that a lot. Uh, in the past month, five people, five people have, they've said, you know what? I'm going to rethink Jesus. Five people have said, you know, Jesus is not just a man. He's not just a good teacher. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Five people have given their lives to Jesus in this past month. And so we celebrate that. That's, that's pretty exciting stuff. Um, guys, just while I'm thinking about it, if you uh, don't have a Bible this morning, and you would like one, we have Bibles for you. And um, we, we pass them out every Sunday. So anybody that wants one, you can have one. You can take it home. It's our gift to you. So if you don't have a Bible, go ahead and slip your hand up right now. There's, there's people in the back. We can pass those out to you. Because in, in just a little while, we're going to dig in. Um, so if, you, uh, if you're here this morning and you still aren't sure about Jesus, and, and you're, you know, uh, I'm just not so sure that he, that he really is the Son of God. I want you to relax. Take a deep breath. Slow down. Pretend that we're just hanging out at your house. We're hanging out in your living room, only I brought the coffee. Because I like good coffee. And kick your feet up. And give me the next, give me the next 33 minutes, roughly, to convince you that Jesus is more than just a man. Who is Jesus really? Who is Jesus? There is perhaps no greater question that has ever been asked in the history of the world. And I'm convinced that there's not a, a more important question that any individual can ask. Who is Jesus? Who is He? Is He who He said He was? Is He, is he the Son of God? Who is he really? Could it be that he's just a good teacher? Could it be that he's just a good preacher? 
a carpenter? Could that be? Or is he more than that? Jesus was born about 2,000 years ago um, in, a, in a small rural town called Galilee. Or he was born in Bethlehem. He lived in Galilee. Um, and he was a son of a young mother. Uh, and Mary was probably a teenager when he was born. Son of a carpenter. His dad swung a hammer for a living. And Jesus followed in his dad's footsteps. Also became a carpenter. Learned the skill from his dad. And lived in relative obscurity for the first 30 years or so of his life. It wasn't until he was about 30 that he began his public ministry where he traveled around preaching and teaching. But he lived a very simple life. Um, he, he was homeless for most of his ministry years while he traveled around. He um, never traveled more than about 100 miles from his home. He never married. He never had children. He, he lived a pretty simple life. And yet, and yet, he is the most significant figure in all of human history. What's the deal with that? How could somebody who lived such a simple life cause such ripples in our society? How could it be that one out of every three people globally would identify themselves as Christians, as a follower of Jesus? How could it be that a man who never wrote a song has more songs written about him than anyone else on the planet? How could it be that a, that a person who never wrote a book, in fact, never wrote anything down that we have on record, has more books written about him than any other person alive, any other person who's ever lived? How could it be? There are more people gathering today to worship this man, Jesus, than any other person who's ever lived. And yet, his life was so simple. He, he was just, by many of our standards, a very ordinary guy. But, obviously, we believe that he was much more than just an ordinary guy. We uh, here at Valley Town, we're Bible people. We talk about the Bible. We believe the whole thing. So we teach the Bible, um, and, and we believe that the whole thing is 100% accurate, and it is the Word of God. So just, just so that's out there for you guys to know, that's us here at Valleytown. And what the Bible says about Jesus is that He didn't begin His existence when He was born 2,000 years ago. The Bible says that Jesus was, He, he existed Forever before that. He came down from heaven, the Bible says, and became a man. And so, Jesus, don't buy into the idea that Jesus is this man who became a God. Now, the fact of the matter is, Jesus is God who became a man 
He became a man. He came to earth for us on a rescue mission. Today we're going to look at how that unfolds, this rescue mission. So Jesus begins, begins his public ministry at about the age of 30. And he goes around preaching and teaching about what the kingdom of God is like and what God is like. And it causes quite a stir. He's, uh, he's hanging out with people who you just aren't supposed to hang out with if you're one of the religious leaders. In fact, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they didn't like Jesus at all. They really didn't like Jesus. Because Jesus, he liked to hang out with the alcoholics and the prostitutes and the crooked businessmen and the adulteresses and the adulterers. And that's who Jesus hung out with. He hung out with a rough crowd. That's who he loved to hang out with. And see, his message of God offering forgiveness to everyone, it resonated with those people. But see, the religious leaders, they thought they didn't need God's forgiveness. They thought they were living up to his standards. They thought they were good enough. And the fact of the matter is, you cannot be good enough. If you could be good enough, then Jesus would not have any need to come. But we cannot be good enough. And so we need Jesus' sacrifice for us. It says in Mark 14, 32 through 42, it talks about Jesus going to the Mount of Olives in the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples. Well, all except for Judas. See, he just had finished up that famous Last Supper. You're probably familiar with the painting. Um, he just finished up the Last Supper, and, and so they head to the Mount of Olives. That was a, a common place for Jesus to hang out with his disciples. And Judas, his buddy, who's going to go and betray him, He's, he's got to go and, and take care of a business deal. He's going to make a little side money by turning Jesus in. Because by this point, this is three years into Jesus' ministry, by this point, he's caused such a stir that the religious leaders want him dead. And they are determined to see it happen. So, Judas is off to make an extra buck and... Jesus goes to pray with his disciples. He says, y'all hang here. I'm going to go over there and talk to my father. And he, and he goes, the Bible says, about a stone's throw away. And he falls on his face because he's in such anguish. He falls on his face and he cries out, Abba, Father. In their language, it's like saying, Daddy, Daddy. I can't handle this. He knew what he was about to face. He said, he said, if there's any other way, if there's any other way to do this rescue mission so that I don't have to go through what I'm about to go through, so that I don't have to go to the cross, if there's any other possible way, 
then let's do it that way. And the fact of the matter is there was no other way. The fact of the matter is that for God to be perfectly just, which He is perfectly just, He cannot overlook sin. He can't pretend rebellion and sin against Him isn't there. He has to deal with sin the way that a judge can't overlook a crime in a courtroom if they are a just judge. Well, God is just. So he has to deal with the crime. He has to deal with the sin. He can't just overlook it. But here's the good news. God is also merciful. He's also merciful. So he provided this way so that he could punish the sin, punish the crime. Only he punishes the sin on his own son, on Jesus. That's how God can be both just and merciful. And there was no other way but this way. And so, after they've been praying for a while, this mob shows up. A bunch of thugs with their clubs and swords and, and they're ready to start a fight. They're ready to get Jesus. And um, Jesus, you got to know this about Jesus. Jesus wasn't scared. He wasn't scared. He was a bold man. And he gets up and he goes and he faces the mob. And he says, who are you out? Who are you looking for? And uh, they said, we're looking for Jesus. And he says, well, I'm he. You got him right here. He faces it head on. See, he'd been praying, God, if there's any other way, if there's any other way. When that mob showed up, that was the answer to his prayer. He knew. There's not any other way. This is the way it has to be. And Jesus was fully surrendered to his Father's will. Totally. So he says, yeah, you got it. I'm right here. Well, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, he's not so sure if this is how it's supposed to go down. So he loses his temper. He's got a sword on him. So he goes swinging. And uh, he actually goes for one of the guy's heads and misses. Cuts his ear off. And in the midst of this like chaos and struggle, Jesus actually touches this guy, the guy, one of the men who's come to arrest him, and he heals him. He heals him right there. He tells Peter, Peter, put the sword down. <laughs> you got to put the sword down. And so Jesus is arrested, and the mob takes him um, to the religious leaders that had hired them so that Jesus can be put on trial. Jesus stands trial. And as he stands trial, in the, in the middle of the night, mind you, this isn't, in the, this isn't in the day. They're doing this secretly. As he stands trial, they can't find any sin that he's committed. They cannot find it. They cannot charge him with a crime. He's innocent. But they're angry. They're jealous. And so... Even though they cannot charge him with a crime, they, they spit on him, 
mock him, blindfold him and punch him in the face. They, uh, they, they make a crown of thorns and push it down onto his head. They put a purple robe around his shoulders and they make fun of him. Oh, look at the king of the Jews. Look at the king of the Jews. They mock him. The religious leaders, um, according to their law, could not put someone to death. And so they had to take Jesus to the Roman governor, who happened to be a man named Pilate. Because the Romans, who were the world power at the time, the Romans could exercise capital punishment. They did this um, by way of crucifixion. They were, they were very skilled in this uh, crucifixion. They were pros. They had crucified thousands and thousands and thousands of people. So they take Jesus to Pilate and they say, you gotta, you got to put this man to death. And uh, so Pilate questions Jesus. And um, he can't find any guilt in him. He can't find any sin in him. Because there wasn't any. Because he was innocent. Totally, completely innocent. Pilate questions him for a while. And he goes back to the, the religious leaders and he says, Guys, I can't find me. I can't crucify this guy. He's innocent. Well, now by this point, a crowd has gathered. And the religious leaders stir up the crowd. They get everybody all fired up. And and they start chanting, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate, as a governor, one of his, one of his primary um, jobs is to stop an insurrection. To make sure that there isn't any uprising. Any, the, Roman, the Roman government just wants peace. Right? And so, this is like, this is not good. For Pilate, for his job. So he says, Well, look, I'll, he says, I'll, I'll have him flogged. I'll have him whipped. And um, so they take Jesus, they tie him to a post, they strip him down to almost no clothes, and there they beat him with a whip was called a cat of nine tails. And this thing had um, lead balls at the end that would tenderize the flesh. And beyond that it had hooks. And so as the, as the flesh was being tenderized, these hooks would, would sink in. And then it would pull the flesh from the bones. It was gruesome. A lot of people died just from being flogged. So Jesus went through that. An innocent man. A man without sin. The God-man, Jesus. He took, he took 
those whippings for us. Because the fact of the matter is, guys, we, we all sin. And God is a holy God. He's perfect. The Bible says that we, we all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all rebel. We all have our skeletons. We all have our dark places. I do. I do. And so somebody had to take, somebody had to take the punishment for that. It was either going to be us or him. So they 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 finish flogging him, and, and the crowds are so stirred up. They say, you know, Pilate said, you know what, we're gonna have, we're gonna have to crucify him. So they. Um, they put a cross on Jesus' back. Weighed approximately 150 to 200 pounds on his torn, beaten back. And um, they were taking him to a place called Golgotha, place of the skull. It's a weak, a strong. Or, they think that they know where this place is because the hill is actually like, it has what well, looks like a skull in it. Looks like eyes and a nose. So they take Jesus to, um, to this place called Golgotha. But he can't carry the cross the whole way there. On the way, he's, it's too much for him and he, and he, and he hits the ground. And they, they, they make a bystander pick the cross up and take it the rest of the way. They get to the top of the hill and they drive nails, more like spikes, through his hands and through his feet. The most sensitive nerve centers on the body. They hang him there. And a sign is hung above him that says, Jesus, the King of the Jews. They were trying to mock him. As um, people passed by and came to see, they spit on him. They made fun of him and they yelled at him. And Jesus hung there with the weight of our sin on him. Let me read, let me read to you Mark chapter 15. Verses 24 through 39. We'll put it on the screen also. It says, And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers. One on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ the King of Israel come down now from the cross that we may see 
and belief. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. When the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. At the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Aloy, Aloy, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Father, the Father turned his back on the Son because the Son became a curse for us. Our sins, our rebellion, placed on Him. Why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, He's calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. This was a big curtain, a thick curtain. It was torn in two. And when the centurion, one of the Roman guards, soldiers, who stood facing him saw that in, his, in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the Son of God. He really died. He really died. His heart stopped beating. They took a spear and they thrust it in his side under his rib cage and they punctured his heart sack so that blood and water spilled out. A Roman executioner declared him dead. They took him down and they buried him. They prepared him with about a hundred pounds of burial cloths and they placed him in a tomb. And in a stone tomb. And then they rolled a stone over the entrance. And they sealed it. The Roman government sealed the stone and placed uh, guards to watch over the tomb. This was Friday evening. Saturday passes. The disciples, Jesus' followers, are broken. They don't know what to do. And Sunday morning, Sunday morning, Jesus got up. He got up. And the stone rolled away and Jesus walked out of the tomb. He went. He walked into town. He ate with his friends. He appeared at one time to more than 500 people. Jesus hung out for 40 days before he ascended into heaven. 40 days. Jesus is not just living on in our hearts. Jesus is alive. You know why we don't know where Jesus is buried? Because he isn't there. 
every other religion that is built around a person, they have these massive monuments, these worship sites built on top of their graves. They have a worship site built over their, 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 the places that they're buried. We don't have that for Jesus because He isn't there. We do that for famous people when they die. We don't know where Jesus is because He isn't there. He is alive. One of His disciples, Thomas, was having a hard time believing it. And when he finally saw Jesus, Jesus showed him the scars on His hands and His side. And Thomas fell at Jesus' feet and he worshipped Him. That is the right response to the risen Jesus. Worship. Because He conquered Satan and sin and death. And He provided a way for us. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by Me. I'm it. God isn't on top of some mountain and there's a whole bunch of different ways to get to Him. Jesus is the way to the Father. Jesus cannot just be a good man. I would argue that it's, it, it wouldn't be possible for Him just to be a good man because He told people that He was the Son of God and that He was the only way to the Father. A good man wouldn't do that. He wouldn't lie and mislead all those people. No, not a good man. So either he was a liar or he is the Son of God. Friends, he is the Son of God. He is alive. And he now is seated on a throne ruling the universe. That's Jesus. That's who He is. And He died so that we could have peace with God. Because every one of us, every single one of us, has rebelled and has gone our own way. So, it brings us back to the very important question, the most important question. Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say he is? Is he who he said he was? Is he the Son of God? This morning, if you feel that God is speaking to you, that you are seeing Jesus in a whole new way, that's good news. That is good news. This morning, I want you to know that you can have forgiveness through Jesus. You can be completely new. And listen, you don't need to wait until you get your act together. You won't. I don't have my act together. You cannot wait until you get everything right, until you get it all together. You 
come to Jesus with all of your sin and shame. And He'll take it from you and nail it to the cross and say, it's finished. It's finished. It's done. This morning, if God is speaking to you, I want to encourage you. Listen, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today. I want to encourage you. Don't, don't put this off. Don't try and clean your life up first. And don't think that it's about doing good things. You don't get points for being here this morning. I'm sorry, I hate to bring it to you. No points. You don't get points for praying or reading your Bible or doing good deeds. Jesus already scored all the points. And he gets the win. And we just get we just get the credit for it. That's what the good news is. That Jesus He's done it all. He, he's accomplished it all. You don't earn your way into favor with God. You just never will. You can't. You put your faith and trust in Jesus. Put your whole life in His hands. And then you get the credit for the life He lived. And your sins get taken away and nailed to the cross. And you get a clean slate. A perpetually clean slate. Forever clean. You're going to continue to mess up. But you still have a clean slate. That's the good news. The word gospel is just an old English word that means good news. Because it is good news. This morning, I want us to, um, to have an opportunity to respond to that good news. The Bible says that we respond to the good news through repentance and faith. Repentance just means to turn away from your sin and do life your way and turn toward God. And faith, like I said, is just trusting in Jesus, putting your whole life in His hands. That's what it, that's what it looks like. And so this morning, I want you to know that God loves you. Jesus loves you so much that He gave His life for you. There isn't another, there isn't a greater love than that. He loves you. And we love you. And we want to walk with you as you learn what it looks like to follow Jesus. That's what it means to put your faith in Him, is to follow Him, to be His disciple. So this morning, I want all of us um, to just bow our heads right now, close our eyes. I'm going to pray. And Joe, you had come on up. And... Um, this is your chance to do business with God. This is your chance. Today is the day of salvation. If, if God is speaking to you this morning, then right now, I just want, I want you right now to just tell Him what's on your heart. Don't let pride stop you. Don't let pride stop you. 
Be honest with God. He already knows what's there. He already knows what's, what's in your life. He already knows what's, what's in your closet. So be honest with Him. And tell Him what's going on. And if you want to follow Him, if you want to repent and turn and do a life your way and turn and follow Him, then this is your chance right now to do business with God. I'm going to pray after a, after a brief period. But right now, I want you guys to just speak to the Lord and tell Him what's on your heart. And if, if you want this, if you want to receive this good news, that's how, that's it. It's a free gift. You just receive it. Right now, just pray and ask God to save you.
for the first time, I want you on the back of that Connect card, it says Commons. I want you just to write, Today I Trusted Jesus. Because we want to we wanna connect with you. We want to give you some free resources, some things that will help you. Uh, go ahead and Dawn, come on up here. We're going to continue worshiping Jesus this morning and celebrating the fact that He is alive. He is alive. Amen? Amen.